Good morning, everybody. Can we just give a shout to the Lord God, man? He's so good. Uh, what a wonderful time in worship. Uh, for those of you who may not know, uh, Brad Van Horn came on as the interim worship director, so he was on the keys. Can we just give a thank you for the Lord bringing him? Uh, he'll be here at least six months, and we're praying and kind of figuring out, and he's figuring out, is this where God has him? But so grateful that the Lord brought him in this time, and that gives us some space to continue looking and figuring out what God has, and maybe he's the guy. Praise the Lord if he is, and if he's not, then we know God's got something even better. Amen? Uh, if you're new with us, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at Zion. I want to welcome you, and if you're new online watching, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, maybe you were here last week for Easter, and you decided to come back and check things out. If that's the case, we're so glad that you are here this morning. Um, maybe you're exploring or checking out this Jesus stuff, what this Christian thing is all about, or you're searching for a place to call your church home. Whatever reason you're here, we hope that you can not only feel welcome, but maybe you'll consider being a part of what God is doing here at Zion, especially if you're looking for a church family. God's been doing some pretty remarkable things in and through the church, and, and we're so excited for how God is moving um, we want to help you grow in your faith because while everyone, we believe that anyone can belong to a church, even if they don't believe in Jesus, they can still belong. We are unabashedly about Jesus. And we want every person who steps through these doors to know who Jesus is, to place their faith in Jesus so that ultimately as they believe in the power of the gospel for their life, that we believe the Holy Spirit through God's word helps us become like Jesus. And so if that's where you are, we really hope that you'll consider being a part of what God is doing here. Uh, this is our first Sunday post-Easter, and just a, a couple points of celebration. First, I want to give a huge shout-out to all the volunteers, leaders, staff, and all those who made this last Holy Week and Easter so incredible. Um, so can we just give a thank you to everybody that stepped up? Um, you may not know this, between Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, we had five different services Sunday morning for Easter. We had a youth-led sunrise service that was absolutely incredible. We had the traditional service over at Zion on 4th, and then three services uh, uh, here. And over the six, seven years that we've been meeting at the dock, we had the largest ever single-attended service with over five, uh, almost 500 people in this building at 9 a.m. on Easter morning, which is amazing. And check this out. Here's the best part. On Easter, not including children and kids ministry, we had 1,275 people who got to hear the powerful name of Jesus and the good news of the gospel. That's worth celebrating. At the end of the day, it's not about the numbers. I mean, numbers do matter. Let's be clear. Every number represents somebody who got to hear about Jesus. That's why they matter. It's not because we can fill up a building. I, there's, you can have any number of things said and you can fill a space. What we're excited about is people hearing the good news of Jesus and every person who comes in. And so as I look around and we have empty seats here, which is okay, every empty seat is an opportunity. Amen? Um, Another thing that's been happening, and we're really excited about this, is over the last several weeks, we've had invitations for people to commit and give their life to Jesus. And over the last month or so, including on Easter, we've had several dozens of people commit or recommit their lives to Jesus. Now, here's why this matters. And, and as Lutherans, we don't talk about this very often because a lot of times people are raised in Lutheran churches. So it's like that's all you've ever known. But you may not know this. The Bible tells us, Jesus tells us this great story. He tells a couple parables about when lost things are found. And what he's referring to is people, that every time a lost soul, somebody who has walked away or wandered away or hasn't, isn't part of the family of God, when they come to put their faith in Jesus, tells us that the angels in heaven celebrate. 
which means every time somebody has committed their life to, to Christ or recommitted, come back home, God celebrates. And it's a party. It's not a solemn occasion. And, and here's the powerful part of this. Every time somebody gives their life to Christ or recommits, they might be the first generation of Jesus followers. Did you know I'm a first generation Jesus follower? I was the first person in my family to come to Christ. Think about the people that every person who does that, they might be bringing the gospel into their family for the first time. But other people, maybe they wandered away from home and are finally coming back. For other people, every time someone commits or recommits, they're finding their new identity in who Jesus calls them to be. And more importantly, now they're a part of God's holy family. So you can belong to a church and not be a Christian, but you cannot belong to the family of God until you confess Christ as Lord. Does that make sense? A church is a gathering place. That's all it is. But to be a part of the family of God only happens through faith in Jesus, and we believe that's so important. And so with that being said, this morning, we're going to be continuing the celebration. This is, I did not dress like this for style, because, um, you know, this is so styling right here. Uh, this morning, this is purely functional. We're going to be baptizing some people, and, and that's a marking what God is doing. And we believe in the sacrament of baptism that it's not just symbolic that we believe the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit does something through the sacrament of baptism. And so this morning we have some people who are going to be coming to the waters. And, and here's the thing, every time somebody is baptized, we're going to give thanks to Jesus for the victory that those who place their faith in the power and work of the cross and the empty tomb and the resurrection through the sacrament of holy baptism. So would you join me in giving thanks to Jesus as we are going to prepare our hearts for what God has for us this morning? Um, Here's the other part in this. Things are going to be a little bit different this morning. Uh, so we're going to have worship because at the end of the day, baptism is not about the person being baptized. It's about what happens in the water. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit moves through the waters of baptism. So when we do our baptism, we're going to have those who are going to come forward to be baptized come forward. I'm going to ask them to profess faith in Christ. We're going to have worship going. There's going to be music. But here's the part I'm going to ask us as a community. Baptism is not a solemn event. It is a celebration. So when people come out of the water, be prepared to cheer, be prepared to clap. We're going to worship the Lord. But more importantly, we're going to worship. We're going to worship what God is doing in the lives of people for what Jesus has done. Because in baptism, here's what happens. The Bible tells us that the waters of baptism wash away sins. And sometimes there are individuals, and, and if you were baptized as a baby, we, we practice infant baptism. We believe that the, the promise of baptism, it, it continues on. And so someone said, Jason, can I get baptized again when I'm older? Well, you're not getting baptized again. This isn't a second baptism. It's not a new baptism. If you come into the waters, if you were baptized as a baby, you are reaffirming what God did in the first baptism. It's a celebration of how God moves. Sometimes people have wandered from faith. And they come home and they want to be baptized as a way to saying, I, I want my sins not just to be, your sins are already forgiven because of Jesus. But how many of you have ever carried the weight of sin? In the waters of baptism, the sin is washed away. That's what scripture tells us. It also tells us that through the waters of baptism, we're united with Christ. That who Jesus is is now who you are. And then lastly, you are united to a family in the waters of baptism. So as people are getting baptized, if you're friends and family with them, if you want to come up and give them a hug, if you want to pray for them, that's great. You may not get to hear them talk while they're being dunked, and that's okay, because again, it's not about the person being baptized, it's about the work of what God does through baptism. Amen? 
Um, a couple other things that we've done, we're starting the 40 Days of Purpose initiative, and, and so if you haven't gotten the book, please do. 40 Days of Purpose was a book that was written by a guy named Rick Warren in the early 2000s, and it's all about finding our purpose. Now, what makes this book special is not Rick Warren, it's not even his words, is that it's rooted in God's Word, and that we find our purpose through what God has for us. And, and so we're doing an initiative as a church to come together to figure out who does God want us to be. So if you want to take that, and, and I want you to hear this. If you decide that you're like, Jason, I don't want to read a book, you can still come on Sunday mornings. You're going to get a message that's going to be applicable because I'm not going to be rehashing what's in the book. Okay, So if you don't read the book, if you miss a chapter, please come on Sunday. You're still going to learn about God's purpose for your life, and it's going to be different than the book. That's my promise to you. But if you do want to do it with us, and I hope you do, over the next 40 days, buy the book. Read each chapter from the book. Journal maybe what God is speaking to you. If you're not in a community, a missional community or a small group, after service out in the hall is where Jennifer Colby is going to be along with her team. If you're looking for a group to belong to, she'll get you plugged in during this time. And, and some of these groups might just be meeting only for the 40 days, okay? Uh, from there, and, and here's the one I, I want to challenge each of you ish, with, make the decision to be here on Sunday mornings to come and worship with us each Sunday morning during this time. One of the ways that the, the devil wants to get in the midst of stuff is he makes us busy. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? The enemy has a really interesting way of making us busy when the Spirit is moving because the best way to, to interrupt God's movement is busyness. And so make that space for the Lord to come and meet with you and to speak and to, to bring truth into your life. We want the absolute best for our church family, and we want to get the most out of this intentional season, because check this out, in seven weeks, not even that, six weeks, we're in the park already. Can you believe that? And so we're going to be church in the park, and over summer, we're going to continue uh, looking at, we're finishing off our year of what does it mean to believe, and I'm really excited for that. But this morning, we're kicking off this new initiative to answer the big question, what on earth am I here for? And that's what we'll be going through over the next six Sundays. Um, we're going to be learning about the five purposes that God has for every single human being in the world. And, and here's what I want you to hear. God knows every person, every human being, Christian or not, is made in the image of God. It's what the Bible tells us. Which means that every human being actually has a divine purpose set aside for them by the Lord. The question is, is are they stepping into it? Because God has a purpose for you, but a lot of times, unless you know God and have a relationship with Jesus, you are not going to step into your God-ordained divine purpose for your life. And this morning, we're going to be kicking off and talking what that's about. And so we began about a month and a half ago, we started a prayer. And it was a way to invite and ask the Holy Spirit to move in us. And if you're not a Christian or if you're not comfortable praying this, please do not feel like you have to. But if you would, if you'd like to, would you stand with me and join me in praying this prayer? And all it is is just a simple prayer of saying, Lord, move, okay? And so this is written in the first person, so this is you asking God to move in you, but as a community. All right, ready? And then we're going to do our text for this morning. All together now. Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for knowing me better than anyone else in the world, even better than I know myself. I ask, Holy Spirit, that this morning you would remove all distractions from this week. Help me focus my attention and affection on Jesus and his words. Next slide. <laughs> and there it goes. Soften my heart and give me eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for me this morning. May your word breathe, speak life into my soul. 
in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And now would you join me in our text for this morning? This is from Ephesians, and it's found in the message. Oh, sorry, Colossians. Ephesians. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and everyone. The word of the Lord, praise be to God, you may be seated. Um, Before we go any further, I want to just kind of clear some things up, okay? So typically, when we do Bible translations, we typically read from the New International Version called the NIV, or we read from the Christian Standard Version. Those are our pretty standard ones. And you'll notice during this that we're going to be reading from several different translations of Scripture. Now, let me explain why, because some people are like, wait, why? I don't recognize that. I open my Bible and it doesn't have those words. All The Bible is written in three languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Anybody here speak Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic? No, no takers? Okay. What happens is we have to read the Bible in our own language, so we have translators who take those words and they bring them into our context, into our world, into our language so we can understand them. That's all translations. Now, there are good translations and there are some not-so-good translations. What matters most is, one, it's not about NIV or ESV or any of those. It's about, is the text faithful to what the author intended and does it help us understand? Does that make sense? Is it helpful? And is it faithful? Those are the two questions. What are the two questions? Is it helpful? Is it faithful? And and so each of these, we're going to be reading different translations from the message uh, to the Passion Translation, the New Living Translation, the ESV. And part of the reason why we're doing this is that in The Purpose Driven Life, Rick Warren actually quotes from several different translations. What we're really wanting, and here's the beauty of it, how many of you have ever heard something so many times that it loses its power? Let me give you an example. John 3.16. For God so loved the... Okay, everybody knows that. Have you ever thought about how profound that is? Think about those words. For God so loved the world. Did you know in the CSV, or CSB, Christian Standard Bible, it translated this way. In this way, God showed His love for the world by giving His one and only Son. In this way, this is how God showed His love for the world, by giving His Son. And so what, what's helpful is that when we read different translations, often when I'm preaching, when I'm studying, I'll read different translations to get to hear a different perspective because what we're really looking for is not that one translation is always better, but rather sometimes a different translation gives us fresh perspective. It helps us understand a little bit. So that's what we're going to be moving into. And so as you're looking at those, please don't get hung up on the translation My job and what I'm faithful to is making sure that whatever text we use, we're using in context. Amen? We want to make sure that it's in the right place at the right time being used for the right reason. Um, So when I knew within the first year of me becoming a Christian, I became a Christian and going into high school. Many of you have heard parts of my story. I became a Christian going into high school and I knew almost immediately that I was called into ministry. And the reason for it was this, and, and this is not an exaggeration, this isn't me trying to build a, a, a story, but there's, this is true for me, okay? Um, my youth pastor, a guy named Tim Vincent, was honestly the first person I can remember in my life saying the words, I love you. I didn't hear it growing up. I, I didn't believe I was loved. I didn't know I was loved. And going into high school, this obnoxious, I know some of you are like, Jason, you were obnoxious? What? I was a very obnoxious kid. I was a very broken kid. And Tim Vincent showed this obnoxious kid love and even said the words, I love you. And, and when I became a Christian, when God got a hold of my life, my heart that night, 
what I knew is that I wanted to be for someone else what he was for me. I, I wanted somebody who didn't know they were loved to know that they were loved. And, and what I assumed was is that, well, now if I know I'm supposed to be a, a ministry, that means my purpose is to be a pastor. And, and so all of a sudden I was like, okay, I'm going to be a youth pastor. That's my purpose in life. I figured it out. And then I discovered that I discovered music. And I discovered that I was actually pretty good at music. I'm, I'm actually not a very good musician, but I love leading worship. And I'm a worship leader. And so then all of a sudden it went from, okay, my purpose in life is to be a youth pastor and a worship pastor. And, and then I was like, yes, I found my purpose. I mean, this was in high school. I knew my freshman, sophomore year, I knew exactly what my purpose in life was to be a youth pastor and a worship pro- a pastor. But there was a problem. See, here was the thing. I had some obstacles to my purpose, and in my hope this morning, I'm going to share a couple stories with you, and then we're going to get into God's Word, is that I have a feeling that some of you here have obstacles to your purpose. And here are the obstacles to mine. The first one was that I didn't do very well in school. In fact, uh, you may have heard me say this before, um, my freshman year, my first semester, I had a .6 grade average. That takes skill. (laughs) My teachers were even like, you, and it's not that I skipped school, I just didn't do anything. But the thing was is that my school, my education was reflecting a problem within me. And now in our culture, if someone had bad grades, immediately it's like, well, what's going on in life? In the 70s, 80s, and 90s, if you had bad grades, here was the solution, get better grades. That's all it was. There was no question about what was going on in life, it was just do better. And so my, my sophomore year, my youth pastor talked to me, and going into my junior year, I worked really hard, and I graduated with a 2.99999. It was like pie, but for grades. It just kept on going. And I remember I went in, and, and I knew I was called to ministry, and it, because what I was told was that First Baptist Church, where I got saved, is that if you wanted to be a pastor, you had to go to school. Well, I started going to junior college and discovered I wasn't much better in junior college, and so I graduated, not graduated, I got 17 credits, nine of which were volleyball, true story, nine credits of volleyball. I was a really good volleyball player. And so I had 17 credits, nine of which were volleyball, and and what I was told was that if you want to be a pastor, you have to go to a Christian school, you got to go to a Bible school, Bible college, uh, or a Bible university, you need to graduate, And, and so that just wasn't in the cards for me. There was no part of me that looked like that was in the cards for me. I did not, I was not the prototypical person of what you expect someone who's going to go to Bible college. My grades were horrible. But on top of that, I was a pretty messed up kid. I mean, I, when I say messed up, I, I, didn't, I didn't fit the mold. And, and yet I knew I was called to ministry. And, and someone who I, is very dear to me, honestly, in many ways, like a spiritual mother to me when I was younger, I remember telling her, I know I'm called to be a pastor, and her words to me, and and I want you to hear this, there are no dishonorable jobs as long as they don't bring dishonor to the world, okay? Uh, So for instance, drug dealer, bad job. Pharmacist, good job. Still drug dealers, just one is in good context. You get what I'm saying, right? A pharmacist, is a that's a good context. Drug dealing on the street, bad context, (laughs) right? So there are some dishonorable jobs, and then there are honorable jobs. So when I told her this, this is what she said to me. Jason, some people are just meant to work at gas stations. And now what really what she was saying was this, and uh, Jason, you don't fit the mold, and, and here is why. One, I grew up in a single-parent home without a dad. We weren't in poverty, but we were pretty close. Um, uh, my grandfather was murdered when I was 10. I was sexually abused as a child. I was a messed up kid, and, and not only that, I got bad grades in high school. And so in her mind, she, there was no way that God could use that in ministry. And what she did is she spoke death over my soul. How many of you ever had someone speak death over you? It hurts, doesn't it? 
She spoke death over purpose in my life and, and a calling. And, and, so, and I carried that around believing. And so whenever the lies came in, what it came down to is, Jason, you're just not from the right stock. Is there anything dishonorable about working at a gas station? No. What was dishonorable is she was saying, no, no, no. You're relegated to this. God can't do more than this in your life because you're not from the right stock. And some of you here have been living under lies spoken to you. I know I did for years. Now, God has an amazing sense of humor with no formal education. Uh, God ended up, I was literally living in San Diego when the Lord said, Jason, pick up all your stuff. I want you to move to Phoenix. I'm going to make you a youth pastor. I had no job offers. And so, but I picked up, literally quit my job on Monday, Friday. I drove out to Phoenix and within three months I was a youth pastor. And I was like, whoa, yes, I'm living in my purpose. And I was all excited because huh, God is good and look what he does. And, and here's the crazy part. We took this youth ministry that was really, it was a tiny ministry, big church, small youth ministry. And at one point we had over 300 high school and junior high students coming. Actually, I think it was just high school. I mean, it exploded. And I was like, yes, I'm living in my purpose. I'm doing worship and I'm a pastor. I'm a youth pastor. And oh, thank you, Lord. And there was a part of me that was like, ha, take that. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. And then something happened. I got fired. And everything came crashing down. And the first lie that came to me when I got fired, and here's the thing, I deserved it. I totally did. I was arrogant. I was immature. And I, I, didn't, know, I didn't have people speaking into my life at this time. And, and, and so when I got fired, it was almost like everything. The devil immediately would say, see, some people, they're right, Jason. You're just not cut out for this. God doesn't have this purpose in your life. Maybe you are just supposed to be something else. And what, what part of what had happened when I was in youth, at my first youth ministry job, one of my mentors said, Jason, I want you to take some time and pray. And, and where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? And so I started praying and processing where God had me. And what I discovered was this. I was actually called to a generation, which meant as that group of seventh graders was graduating high school, I believed God was gonna move me on on with them. I didn't know how. I didn't know what that looked like. Well, then I got fired, and all of a sudden, it was like, well, I have no purpose anymore because I, I'm not a youth pastor. What am I supposed to do? Maybe they're right. And then God, with his sense of humor, opened a door for me to become a youth director at a church in Egan, Minnesota. And so, newly married, my wife and I, we were married six months. We moved to Minnesota and began a life there. And four years into that youth ministry, I, I remember going to Lisa and said, babe, I just feel like my time in youth ministry is done. Hadn't even connected the dots that that was actually when that graduating, that seventh graders were graduating high school was literally the year I quit. And I said, I feel like I'm done in youth ministry. I don't feel like that's the place where God has me. And I started a church plant with a buddy of mine where I was the worship pastor. And now this, a lot of 20-somethings are coming. And, and then God eventually I, it called me to go to school. And now I went to University Northwestern in St. Paul and I got my bachelor's degree and then my master's of divinity. And God opened the door for me to be a teaching pastor at Community of Hope in Luth, a Lutheran church in Rosemount, Minnesota. And then once I got my Master's of Divinity, God opened the door for me to be a lead pastor in San Jose, California at a church called The Journey. And we come there and we move our family from Minnesota where we were for 10 years. And all this time, I'm like, yes, I'm living in my purpose. I, I was a youth pastor, and then I was a worship pastor, and then I was a teaching pastor. And now I'm a lead pastor. Yes, I'm my purpose. Yes. Oh, and a part of me was like the entire time, I was like, yeah, take that. You don't know what you're talking about. God's purpose is bigger than that. God's purpose is for my life. And we went in, and four years comes by, and about three and a half years in, the elders, our church struggled to grow. Our church struggled to grow, gain maturity, and about three and a half years in, the elders decided that we got the church healthy enough to kill it. That's right, you heard me. We got it healthy enough to kill it. The church was never going to be a healthy church, and 
we decided that it would better to shut its doors than to keep it going and produce unhealth. And, and I remember one of the previous elders pulled me aside and he said, Jason, I just want you to know this church should have died long before you got here. This isn't your fault. But you know what went through my mind? Jason, sometimes people are right. That's not your purpose. Now, we, this was a tough year for the Millers. I, that year, six months before, Elisa's mom died from cancer. She got diagnosed in February, died Halloween night. June, the next year, so she died October, June. What is that, eight months? We close a church. We can't afford to live in San Jose because San Jose is stupid expensive. <laughs> it's a very expensive place to live. And, and here's the part. I'd been interviewing at churches, and I mean big churches, and, and it'd come down to me and one other person, and I was told this probably seven different times. Jason, out of like one church, it was over 350 applicants. Out of 350 people, it came down to you and this other person. You should be proud of yourself. It's just not you. And I'm like, that's awesome. Thank you. It's still not a job. And each time I got to know, and so we move to Phoenix to go live with her dad who had just lost his wife. Lisa had just lost her mom. Her dad graciously takes her in, and I'm defeated, and I'm broken, and I'm so discouraged. And my wife, I never showed this to my wife. I, I had so many nights where I was just crying.